This is Jesus and John Wayne Week. Welcome back to Restless on this special episode. Pastor Michael, it is a special episode. We are not necessarily doing a postmortem of the young, restless, and reform this week. We are hyping people up for the later release this week of your definitive review of Jesus and John Wayne. Man, I I don't know if it's definitive, but uh, I'm glad that it's done. <laughs> I, I did put a lot of time and a lot of work into working through it. And so it was... Uh, it, it took a lot of my time, and I'm glad to be through with it. Well, this week, if you are so inclined, you can have multiple hours of Jesus and John Wayne content from us. Not only the definitive review coming out this Wednesday, we will be releasing an exclusive Patreon episode where we talk even more in depth and we get into even questions of our own. We got deep. We did, we, I mean, we did multiple hours of content about this stuff. So you won't want to miss that. And we're all kicking it off to get everyone excited with my definitive review of a Twitter thread by Kristen Dumas. So I cannot say I did as much work as Pastor Michael did in his work of, of the review. You, you, you found us, you found us a, a tweet. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I read a whole book uh, and you well, found us a tweet. To be fair, like, I you, did you to... do all the work. You do all the look prep at, work. I'll give it Look to at you. how long this, this thread is. Oh, wow. And, that is really long. And it turned into a blog post by her later that we will, I will be cluing Michael in. So this is, um this is all a thing that happened after the fact. And so I just want to say um, this, this um, content, if you're enjoying it is actually sponsored by our patrons. We'd like to thank them. This is normally the kind of stuff we just make for them, but because we're excited about this week, we're going to we're gonna share this one with everybody. And so we hope you enjoy it. If you are married to a patron or no one, thank them. Or if you want to have multiple hours of more content like this this week, sign up for a month. Try it out. See what you think. So, Pastor Michael, um, you who've read a full book know Kristen Dumas all too well. Yeah, I know her take on certain things, shall we say. Um, right. I've not met her personally. Uh, you know, I'm sure she's very nice. Yep. And, and so she um, is uh, fairly active on Twitter. Um, we have not engaged with her. And, and despite about to do the definitive review of her book, we do not plan on really engaging with her. Um, but she uh, really, as that book is super controversial, right? Lots of people, you know, subtweet the book or tweet at her, you know, tweet questions, right? She does promotion of it. And so one such thread happened where there was a bunch of people discussing gender. I am not going to go through the entire thread because it's very, very long and is probably not that interesting. Um, I will post a link to it. So if you want to go and you want to follow the whole conversation, you can. But basically, it, the, it, she jumps in when Denny Burke... Uh, basically calls her a false teacher. Um, and she really bristles at that um, at that category. Um, and for obvious reasons, no one wants to get called a false teacher. But she also defends herself saying that she is a sociologist, which comes up in our review, doesn't it, Pastor Michael? This it is sure a, does. We'll see what sociology is all about. <laughs> um, and I will say that Twitter makes the engagement she's having, because I'm going to share a tweet here in a second um, that I think is a bit a bit for laughs. But I actually think that there is actually something about Twitter that makes it a little bit more understandable. So 
Um, Denny Burke really, she and Denny Burke go back and forth. It looks like for basically the whole day of this thing. And he um, finally wants to ask her a direct question. Um, and she has said, Hey, whenever I push back on you, you disappear. And, you know, he says, Hey, I'm really busy. And she's like, Hey, if you're going to accuse me of false teaching, it'd be nice if I could at least get a response. So Denny Burke, um, who is kind of questioning if she's doing sociology and history in her book, decides to ask her a very straight question. I'll read the question and then I'll read her response. So when I read your book, I thought you treated evangelical opposition to gay rights as a negative thing. Others told me you personally affirm the, the church's teaching that homosexuality is sinful. Do you believe homosexuality is sinful? So very straight question. We actually did not get into uh, any takes on gay rights in the book. Pastor Michael, do you want to fill in any details about that at all? No, well, just as maybe a teaser, it is true. So we talk a lot in the review about kind of how things are uh, spoken of in the book. And uh, it is nowhere in the book is there maybe, well, I shouldn't say nowhere. There's a, most places there's not direct statements. This is good. This is bad. Uh, but the way things are framed do often peg certain ideas as negative and certain ideas as positive. Um, one of the ideas that is pegged very often as a negative throughout the book is the kind of, you know, um, what, uh, you know, this, I think she uh, refers to as, you know, anti-LGBT or like uh, something, like, something with those words. I, it's been a little bit since I've been in the book, if I'm honest, yeah. but it's something to that degree, like uh, one pegged with a bunch of other negatives about white evangelicals is this idea that they were not uh, too keen on gay rights. So it is true that she seems to speak, at least in my reading, uh, and I think that I read it pretty well, <laughs> uh, you know, to toot my own horn a little bit. Um, it right. seems that she does put uh, being against gay rights in a very negative light. She would put it, she seems to put it in the same place as like, you know, uh, somebody who was very anti-civil uh, rights for ethnic minorities. She seems to put mm. it very much in the same camp. Well, she answered Denny Burke's very direct question with a very direct answer. Sorry, sorry, currently with the kids at Ikea. Feel free to question uh, by judgment on that front. We'll get back to you on this when I can. So uh, <laughs> very, I am very, now, very direct. <laughs> I now call this the shopping at Ikea defense, which I will be using for everything. That's um, fantastic. Hey, that, when we get those negative emails, which we do some from time to time, Yep. We're just, we're just shooting a, sorry, shopping at sorry, Ikea. We're, we're at Ikea right now. <laughs> Got and, some and emails Amazon. right now. Maybe you could respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Our old cessationism takes, sorry, we're in Ikea currently <laughs> still in the kitchen section. We will be recording from here from now on. Um, now I do think it's a hilarious answer. I do think um, it is worth saying that I think Twitter almost forces this kind of a response to things where it's like, Oh, if you don't respond for eight hours because you are legitimately busy, you have a life outside of this. Yeah, the bird. It app. really is true. I want let's let's throw up a little bit of a defense on that front. It is true, and Twitter does like just the way it works. It does skew conversations. It does it limits what you can do. There's not a lot of nuance available, and so you know it could be. Hey, I am really busy, and I would like to give this more thought how I want to respond, even mm -hmm. though it could have a direct answer, and we would have preferred that at this point. <laughs> right. right. The, the reason the joke still kinds of stands is 
you could have more shortly written yes or yeah. no. But right. So Pastor Michael, but let's think about this one other angle before. By the way, she went home and wrote a 3,000 word blog article I read that I will be sharing thoughts from. So don't worry, Pastor Michael. I did not just read a 50 word tweet okay. for this, this episode. Hey, you, you put your work in. So, so Pastor Michael, here's my question for you. So she is obviously hesitant to answer it on Twitter because even when she does, she writes a, a, a very, the blog article isn't great, but she writes a very long blog article uh, instead of responding here. Could you imagine yourself being in a place where someone is kind of, let's paint Denny Burke in a negative view. And I just, just for the sake of, as we try to be maximally fair, we'll do a, one last gasp of something winsome here. If someone's trying to goad you for like a no, just I want yes or no, is this sinful or not? Is there is there any sympathy you can offer there? I'm asking you on this public forum, you know, and maybe I have a ulterior motive. Maybe I'm trying to goad you. Would you be ever resident to answer this kind of a question on a public forum like this? Yeah, I, so I don't, I will say, I don't think so. Um, I, I have like, basically committed myself to because I've seen so many like weasel answers when it comes to especially like the core sins like the the core uh idols and sins of our culture mm-hmm. um are, are usually the ones that people want to nuance the most and there might be there might be times in like individual conversation where that's like necessary but I have kind of committed myself I want to be willing to just say, yes to this kind of question, right? If I'm even in a public forum, I want to be able to say yes, um, of course, because I think the scripture is like unbelievably clear on this front. Um, The one thing that I would say as I was trying to think, okay, what is the best possible defense? You know, I can imagine a situation uh, where maybe I would say yes, and I would want to follow it up because depending on the audience and, you know, sure. just having read Jesus and John Wayne, I guarantee some of the audience is the kind of, you know, uh, very pro LGBT groups um, that uh, may instantly like the moment you say that there's no more conversation, right? It's over. Right. And there might be a way I want to work, you know, work in that conversation a little bit deeper. Um, and so I would want to say yes. And then moving on from that, you know, I can imagine in my head, it doesn't take that much imagination for me to think of somebody who struggles with homosexual temptation. Uh, they grow up in maybe a very like religious kind of fundamentalist home um, where like they are of the understanding. And I've met people who at least have this like feeling a bit, whether or not it was something that they themselves brought like thought in their own mind or whether it was something that was actually taught them um, that like this is the irredeemable sin, right? Like this is the unforgivable sin. If I'm talking to somebody that I think might be in that position, I want to find a way to say, yes, it's a sin. Here's uh, how like Jesus died for that sin on the cross, you know? So, so that is the most, that is the most like, uh, I don't know, uh, understanding way that I could read this kind of obfuscation. Um, well, so having I read the book, are, I, I think that. I, I think you and I are in the same place. I racked my brain to think of a reason I wouldn't just say yes or no. Yes. Now yes, I do, and, right? Yes, yeah, and. No, I, and there's, that doesn't include the fact that depending on where you are, you can you can write more than that. But I, I do think that, and again, I think that this is one of the reasons Big Eva is shriveling and dying is because I think people on this hard conservative side and on the liberal side know I can ask you a question and watch you, you'll never answer it. 
I can ask you it over and over. I know you'll never answer it. And I think, and I honestly think that even to people who are going to freak out at my answer or radically disagree, this is very loving. I think we've talked about this before that like, if we get like two months in to this like relationship or this discipleship relationship, and then I suddenly say like, Hey, just, you know, you need to like, I need you to know this view. Like I find that incredibly deceptive and want to allow that person um, the freedom to (laughs) react right away for the the sake of both of our time. And, and obviously trust God, the Holy spirit, you know, to work um, in the law of God. And so I'm with you. I can't come up with a reason not to do it, but, uh, or say yes, if you're there. Now, I think we know why you would not say yes, if you're there. Um, But so she writes a 3000 word blog article to answer this question. And I'm going to read you the thesis of this blog article because, well, we don't get a great answer in 3000 words. (laughs) There's still not an answer. (laughs) So I think if the, if we can forgive the Ikea tweet, because you know you were in the you were in the nice uh, living room section and you were trying to pick out the new couch you put together later. So like me, you can LARP like you're a furniture builder in your house. Um, we can't forgive the three thousand word blog article where we still don't answer. So here is the uh, here's the thesis as we do with these kinds of things. So Denny Burke's assessment of her work of history is based on his beliefs, and calling her a false teacher is unfair because it's a work of sociology and history. Her goal in the book was to show that evangelical beliefs are shaped by culture, politics, and society. And on this specific question, this is not her area of expertise, but she is taking it as an opportunity to examine some unexamined assumptions she has had about homosexuality in her faith and its history. So this is a, that's a no. I mean, just for, just to like make something very clear for everybody, like that is to say, no, I do not not believe that homosexuality is say it yet. Yes. Right. So Right. I I still want, I still want all you evangelicals to be paying me money and buying my book, but it's a, it's definitely a no. So, so let me read to you a few of the quotes from her and I'm going to separate into this into two sections. One, I'm going to separate it into her, like, specific some of the specific statements that kind of relate to this answer and then she actually says a few interesting things about her book at the end which so we'll kind of do these two things and then we'll uh, we'll get out of here so first she says my own church local deno- local and denomination is actively re-examining the issue in light of tradition interpretation science and history uh, scripture did not make it on that list, by the way, everyone, just so you know, I'm participating, but as a historian, not a theologian, very clear. This is important. So Pastor Michael, we, we, you know, that this is the CRC, correct? This is a CRC. I believe so. I'm not positive, but I believe so. I believe she's that a she Calvin professor. In the CRC with, and she's still, she's at Calvin. So I, I'm just, I've assumed the CRC, but I don't know that 100% for sure. Feel free to correct us, uh, anybody. Uh, love to have you on the show if you're a normal person and you can correct us. Um, so um, she says, I grew up holding the traditional quote unquote view, scare quotes, by the way, that is scare quoted, that same sex relationships were sinful. As far back as I can remember, though, I never believed that a theological view on this matter should dictate government policy in a way that abridges fundamental civil rights. Um, this wasn't because I was currying favor with progressives. My own view is all about Christian pluralism 
and a rejection of Christian nationalism. Since that time, I've encountered compelling theological and historical arguments that challenge or complicate traditional approaches to the issues. I've read several, but I have several more to read, and I'm doing so in conversation with, scare quotes, traditional perspectives. I'm doing this all in community with scholars, pastors, theologian, LD, LGBTQ, um, Chris, which I believe is the LGBTQ in Christ, as part of my local church, and as a part of an officially sanctioned denominational process, and in a co- official capacity as a representative of my university. So Pastor Michael, there is kind of, that's like if I brought together a number of different parts of it, um, that would be her answer. What what do you make of this answer? Um, number one, it is a no, right? So it is, <laughs> it is a no. It's just a long way of saying no. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, by the way, this is very much like a, you know, an academic uh, approach. How do you like write your PhD thesis to make it like way longer than it really needs to be? Oh, you oh, just yeah. like add all bunch of words. So how do you say no in 3000 words? Here you go. Like, here's, yeah. here's how you do it. Um, also like, there's just a lot of like loaded terms, right? Yeah. Um, so the fact that traditional is in scare quotes, the idea that like this traditional view may not actually be the traditional view is well, obviously like a little bit silly. The idea that, uh, that she has this idea of like not abridging fundamental civil rights, whatever that means, right? Like what a loaded term. And how do you determine fundamental civil rights? I'll tell you, it's not by history or sociology. I can tell you that. Like, how do you actually determine what these are? And ironically, if you did so historically, the the civil rights movement that accomplished, that we all studied in school, left all this out. Yeah. Right. Like if you want to say like, right, when she's kind of, cause obviously she's kind of trying to connect it in that. Yeah. I mean, but, now but, one, it is true though. Like historically it is true that many um, of those, even like Martin Luther true. King Jr.'s for, like right-hand man was a gay man. Sure. Um, yep. And he did like, they did understand that they thought that uh, civil rights action in this way would also lead to um, their ability to uh, have things like same-sex marriage and other things like that. So now ironically, let me just say the other very interesting part of this. Now, all of that is like, whoa, right? Also, why is it okay to be a Christian pluralist and not a Christian nationalist? Like, this right. is where I'm like, <laughs> why is that good? I, like, I thought that too. I thought what a weird, like, just a jump again. Um, how, like, how do you learn this from history yeah. and sociology? You can't actually, you're making fundamental value judgments that are based upon theology and philosophy, right? Like actual like worldview issues, Bible issues. Uh, but then you're acting as if something that the Bible is a- absolutely clear on is something that you can't actually talk about because, well, it's not my field. Well, mm-hmm. it kind of, I mean, I don't know, you're a Christian, you know, like yeah. you, you should have some stake in, well, what does the Bible teach? Now, if you want to say, I'm like, I actually don't understand the Bible very well. And I probably should not be the one to speak on this issue. I'll talk to my pastor. I would maybe take that, you know, like I would maybe take that. Now, maybe you shouldn't have written a book about Christian feminism and Jesus yep. and John Wayne and teach at a Christian university as a yeah. professor. But right. <laughs> I do think right. like it would, it would there are normal questions. Christians that could say like, hey, I don't know. Like that's perfectly legitimate. Yep, absolutely. Or, and hey, maybe you're even on this issue. There's somebody listening. They're like, well, I don't really know. That's actually, that is okay. Like it is okay to be like, I'm actually ignorant upon this particular issue. 
Uh, but sure. it's clear that this is actually something that you're thinking a lot about in mm -hmm. this. Like when you write a 3000 word response, you're actually thinking a lot about it. You are actually like you actually do have a position currently. Um, you're just refusing to say what that is. And it honestly probably has to do with the fact that there are a lot of people following you who will stop following you if you come out and just say it at this point. You are part of a sanctioned denominational process to produce a position statement on this. Yep. You, you, again, I, I can even respect a, a Christian, right? I, I think this would potentially be where Paul tells us to bear with the weak. A person saying, you know, I'm starting to study scripture on this and I think I'm uncomfortable with some of the answers. Like a person truly like a person coming out of our postmodern progressive culture. Yep. And feeling, feeling uncomfortable. I even yeah. feel sympathy for you. If that's, yeah, I've your... had good friends, good friends, love God, love the scripture. And they're like, man, like I have uh, a lot of gay friends and like this, it is hard for me, right? Like it's hard for me to uh, understand these things and to like actually put this into practice. And I'm like, yeah, man, like that, you're right. Like that is, that can be difficult right now. Um, how to navigate these things. Uh, but we're like, we are, we're talking about somebody who is a public teacher at right. this point, right? So, yeah, we're not talking about. That's right. So my advice, my only advice for that, if that's you is don't write a book on this. Exactly. Do not write, go, it's not time to teach. That's all I'm saying. So let's go on to the second part of, I just found some things interesting. So I actually pulled these out before I heard the definitive review of the book, but um, cause obviously Denny Burke is saying that her book is contains false teaching. It's trying to, um, create space distance between, um, you know, obviously he is one of the people, big people in the, uh, center for biblical manhood and womanhood. And he's saying there's a big, she's make, trying to really separate evangelicals from those, obviously in his case, complementarian commitments. And so here are a few things she says about that. My purpose in the book isn't to tell readers what to think or to make authoritative theological pronouncements. It's to offer a deeply researched history that is useful to academics and Christians alike. Now I'll just say useful to do what? Like there, it's useful as a source for what? So that's a question. And it shows how history, culture, and experience shape theology. I love it. We get it. And it's got the stars around it on all sides. Anytime anyone says on all sides, I'm immediately just happy because we have to call it out on all sides, as you know. Um, the fact that there's a strong historical theological tradition of Christians denouncing same-sex relationships, there are also intri intriguing counterexamples, does not itself explain Anita Bryant, the anti-ERA, or seeing the homosexual menace as a threat to America. It's possible to hold traditional views on sexuality, but hold them very differently. It's possible to believe in male headship, but refuse to link it to masculine protection of American militarism. That people like Burke see in my book as undermining the gospel may mean that they too have conflated some of these things. Maybe we're just working from different views of scriptural authority. Yeah, you can bet on that one, by the way, just in yeah. case you're wondering. <laughs> um, my reformed tradition has long resisted a narrower and selectively applied view of inerrancy. So back to theology. Burke point to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5 is the heart of the gospel. Agreed. So much so that I refuse to, to use views on gender, sexuality, atonement theory, baptism, spiritual gifts, and the like 
as a way to preemptively exclude believers from fellowship in the body of Christ. We can spend our lives asking what right belief and obedient discipleship looks like in all these areas, and we should. And I'm going to do so in conversation and communion with my LGBTQ brothers and sisters in Christ because of the gospel. So, Pastor Michael, I think at, by the end there, we are at like a hard no, because we have just declared my brothers and sisters in Christ because of the gospel. Right. So, so what we see is, so what do you make of these claims about our book, right? I'm not doing any theology in the book. I'm talking about history, that there's a way for you to hold your conservative, traditional, scare quote beliefs, but not hold them in a way that probably would condemn gay marriage. You could be a, you could believe in male headship, but you would also oppose the military and um, all of this uh, kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll get into the book. So this is a great teaser uh, because even in these statements, you hear the conflation of a lot of things, um, a lot of assumptions, right? A lot of assumptions in her own mind that all of these things so clearly are linked together. Um, in the history of American evangelicalism since the Cold War. Um, and it simply just won't be borne out. Like it, it's, uh, it is a cherry picking of particular, um, particular ideas and putting them all together as if they're obviously what everybody held, even though that is clearly not the case. Now, just to go back to what she said, though, even in the theological, like back to the, the theology part, when we're dealing with 1 Corinthians, it may be true that, you know, in the, the, the central message of the gospel is not, hey, you need to change um, your sexual habits, right? And that's what gets you to, like, come to know God. That's true. But also, earlier in First Corinthians, when Paul is talking to believers, those who hold to the gospel, he very clearly says, you're supposed to mark somebody because of their, like, uh, aberrant sexual habits. You're supposed to mark them and give them over to Satan and kick them out of the church and treat them as a non-believer with the hope that they will actually come and repent of that and come to Christ. And so like this idea, like, again, this is a conflation of things that simply is not, is not actually a healthy way. Like is our certain, uh, certain, uh, are there, are there sexual sins, right? What are those sexual sins? That is a different question than how can somebody who has sinned sexually and does sin sexually be saved, right? Those are different, those are different right. questions. And to conflate all of those things together shows that we're already off to a really bad start. And I think, and, and as we get ready to close, I'll, I'll make one more interesting and that I've seen it as I, as I've read these to you in both of these sections, when she talks about holding them differently, holding these beliefs differently on complementarianism, on uh, homosexuality, she does it earlier you know in traditional views right you know that they're not that you don't need to do it in a way that affects civil rights dude this is once again the so even if and and she talks about how like there are people who really believe her book was really unifying because you know it's teaching complementarians to hold their complementarians that can be united with people like jamar tisby who are questioning all of these things right and you know, that, that there's really a lot of, you know, a lot more shared ground, which is uh, having heard the review is pretty crazy to me. Yeah. Just uh, wait, wait and find out everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you're on the edge of your seat. Um, Again, what I think we're starting to hear is, Hey, evangelicals, if you have to hold these things, 
there is still got to be a way for you to do it and be okay with the regime, the cultural governmental regime in the West. Yeah. It sounds like, honestly, it sounds kind of like Christian pluralism, huh? You know, like I, I want to be a Christian, but I want to be the kind of Christian that Caesar really thinks highly of. Right. And, and believes it okay for Caesar to rule very specifically in seemingly contradictory ways and believe it's a positive good that Christians accept that. Yeah. What's interesting about Christian pluralism is the fact that there's no room within it for any other view of Christianity, right? Like any, any view that would be against Christian pluralism is like, oh yeah, you can't hold that by the way. It's, it's somebody being right. like, like you can get along with me if I am a pagan that hates God, uh, that wants the whole church to be destroyed, but you can't get along with me if I believe something that the Bible objectively teaches. Right. So in the spirit of fairness, I have, I have offered the offering that Denny Burke uh, may have been being a jerk. Now, in the spirit of fairness to Denny Burke, I actually want to say this uh, hinted at accusation of him at the end is actually, I have to say, is pretty unfair. Because now, again, the the only way to be fair is Twitter threads with like 20 people are basically impossible to follow. Um, I don't know how to fix that. There probably is no way to fix that, uh, especially now that Jack has quit and is now trying to just build Bitcoin. Uh, good for him. But, um, you know, I think that um, he had earlier stated, because, right, the ending point is that, well, Denny Burke says his gospel is, you know, is based on the events of Christ, his death, his burial, uh, resurrection, according to the scriptures, right, for our sins. But if he's really this mad and calling me a false teacher, he's adding... He's adding a lot to the gospel, like Western values and dudes with guns and homosexuality being a sin. Now, again, the one problem we have is, again, the the beautiful vagary of what is a gospel issue, right? We, we're back to this again, Pastor Michael, this YRR vocab we got. But the reason I want to say it's unfair is earlier in the thread, um, Denny Burke is actually um, questioned on this because he's really kind of called her out earlier. So he, he answers this question of what is the gospel to you? And he says, I have made known to you the gospel that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. So, right. So she's saying, see Denny Burke when asked, right. He says, this is the gospel. And so she's like, why can't that include my LGBTQ brothers in Christ. Now he's asked a question, Hey, this is an excellent synopsis of the core of the gospel. I thank you. Is there anything that can threaten this? I hope you'd agree. The answers are resounding. No. Right. So these people are saying, come on, Denny, you can't say anything would threaten the gospel. Now, before we get to his answer, which I actually think is really good. I think it's pretty hard to read the new Testament and think Paul did not think there were threats to the message of the gospel yep. in the churches. Right. Even if, as hard Calvinists, we believe, of course, God's purposes of redemption in the gospel cannot be threatened. Yeah, which is, categories. again, as you're talking about, a conflation. Let's just yep. conflate all the categories. Yeah, categories, right? When, when, God, when God revealed himself to us in the plan of salvation, when he revealed uh, his purposes for the church and for individual believers' lives, he didn't, like, reveal two sentences you know i mean we have the whole of the scripture why, why do we reveal, complete all of this why did he just reveal first corinthians 15 1 through 5 
right yeah. yeah this is just such a you know it is again it this is a childish way to read these things uh, but of course it is right like we are we are a childish people we don't know how to think we don't know how to read and um, we've been given over in many ways to a kind of ignorance um, and it's a it's a willful ignorance you know like we are we are willfully blind to the reality of the the wholeness of God's revelation because it allows us to live in our sin. And so Denny Burke answers this question, which again, like it's just, it's hard for me to imagine being a famous enough person and wanting to respond to these kinds of questions on the internet. <laughs> it's like a significant part of my life, but you know, God bless the people who do. So God's saving purposes through Christ from all eternity cannot be thwarted. But when people talk about the gospel being threatened, they're not referring to that. They refer to the fact that right preaching of the gospel can be undermined or corrupted by false teaching. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which is, ob again, obviously true. The apostles warn about this and talk about it and condemn it all the time. We have examples of it throughout the scripture. Obviously, this is the case. And Paul goes so far to tell the Galatians, I'm worried you believed in vain, right? Like, yeah. he, like not it, what Paul, think of how incredible a statement that is. You are believing first Corinthians one through five. And I'm worried based on the other things you're believing or doing, uh, perhaps the lifestyle you have, that's going to get you removed from the church that you believe you believe in vain, right? That whatever your belief, whatever your assent to those things is, it's not saving faith. So find out this week with the definitive review if we think that could be going on in this book. Pastor Michael, are you excited for Jesus and John Wayne Week? Here we go, everybody. I'm excited. I'm, I am. Uh, I put so much of my heart and my soul into this work. I wanted to be thorough. I wanted to do a good job and I think I think we did well. I don't. We're we're gonna find out what other people think. It's honestly hard uh, when you have twelve pages of notes to just like you know try to get like the main ideas out there uh, for a podcast. So I hope it was okay. And uh, if not, we can always come back and clarify and or maybe not because honestly, I don't I don't want to do more. Let's do a let's do a giveaway this week as we decide in the close of this this bonus episode. Let's okay. uh. We're gonna Let's give away. We're gonna give away uh, a good related prize, maybe restless merch, maybe something else, to a listener um, who either rates or reviews or shares the show. So you, if you rate and review the show and share one of your favorite episodes on social media this week, you can enter twice. And so we're gonna give it away. So everybody, go rate and review this show, share it with your friends, and. Uh, let's uh, let's make a little splash this week with Jesus and John Lane. 